Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Welcome to the Explorminate podcast. I'm your host, Battle Mode Ben, and this week I'm joined by Drexy. Hey, Drexy. Hey, Ben. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm not too bad. And this week we've got a couple of special guests. First off is our mate from Down Under, who we've not spoken to for a few months, Daz Tactics. Say hello, man. Thanks, Ben, and hi, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for the, uh, the invitation. Looking forward to this. Should be a fun discussion, as, as per usual. And our other host is... Our other guest, I should say, is Lucid Tactics. Host, I like the sound of that better. Hey, guys. Well, I guess we're all hosting the podcast, right? And we're all guests as well. Let's uh, let's mix things up a bit. But okay, so the idea behind this podcast was that I guess a couple of weeks ago I was chatting with Lucid, and we were just talking about some of the games that we both liked, and we we started drifting into the topic of games development. And uh, I'm not a games designer, although I did work for a, I, I did a brief stint for a developer back in the early 2000s. And I've got a load of games developer friends, but I don't know anything about this topic, right? So it was, we were just kind of chatting and we were discussing how multiplayer and multiplayer game, uh, design paradigms kind of shape the development of single player games and vice versa. And we came up with, you know, we, we, we realized that some of the games that we played, that we sh- that we all play, kind of have this kind of interaction between these two design paradigms. Now, um, I, the reason why I thought Daz would be an interesting person to talk to is because all four of us, right, play Dominions. And I think Daz mostly plays Dominions single player and Lucid mostly plays uh, multiplayer. And I've done a bit of both, right? And, so, and I think Drexy has too. And I think Dominions is an interesting case for this particular topic. So I thought we'd start there and then just see where we go because I think there's there are going to be loads of other games that we can talk about that might be relevant to this particular discussion. But... Um, I'll start with you, Daz. Daz, what is your, I mean, I think most people who know you will know the answer to this question, but what's your experience with Dominions and what do you think about the game with regards to single player and multiplayer? My preference is actually to play the game single player, mainly because I can sort of play it whenever I feel like it. But I do really respect uh, what the multiplayer aspect of the game actually is. Like it's, um, it's, it's, it shines probably more than any other game that I've actually ever played as a multiplayer game. Although, you know, the complexity of that is, is just exponential with the amount of time it does sort of take. But the, um, I think the reward, the, the amount of um, immersion you get when you do play uh, Dominion's multiplayer, uh, because you are dealing with real people, uh, <laughs> you sort of end up with um, disagreements, like real-life type dis- disagreements with diplomacy and things like this, does make it a very, very interesting game from a diplomatic perspective. And I think the diplomatic perspective of Dominion's is, for me, what actually makes it sort of shine the brightest. But for me, I do prefer playing the single-player version of the game simply because of my time. And um, so, Lucid, I gather that you're more of a multiplayer player. What do you reckon to that statement? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I play it. I, I played it. We talked about it a little bit last time, but I, I started playing single-player. I probably played Dominion single-player for like a year before I switched to multiplayer, which was probably too long. 
But the game, I think that Daz is right. The game shines in multiplayer, not just from a diplomacy standpoint, which it does, because diplomacy in single player is horrible. It's like the worst part of the game because there's literally no diplomacy. It's just forever war with all the AIs. The tactics and stuff are so much different in multiplayer than in single player because basically there's it's a there's a rock paper scissors system kind of in dominions except it's not rock paper scissors it's like there's a million different options with hard and soft counters and sometimes you bring enough of the wrong thing and you still win so anyway it's a it's a very complicated game but the ai just does not engage you in a way that makes you play the game like you need to play it in multiplayer so you can get away doing stuff in single player that would just be completely ineffectual in multiplayer because the, the human will do the counter and the AI won't. So multiplayer is a system of like tons of counters and a certain meta evolves where like this is kind of sort of how you play the game. And it's really complicated, but it's really interesting because it's the meta is changing. Um, you have a ton of really tough decisions to make when you're scripting battles. And single player just doesn't really, it doesn't give you the same thing. You still get to, it's more like a sandbox, in my opinion, for single player. Drexy, am I right in thinking that you're, you know, you, you're pretty much on the same wavelength as Lucid? You've not really played a whole lot of uh, single player, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you go by my history, um, I kind of stopped playing single player games for maybe ten years, <laughs> which I know sounds weird, but I got addicted to Quake World in the sort of mid to late nineties, uh, and then. After that, I got into like MMOs. I played WoW for a little bit, and then I got really into uh, EVE Online. So it wasn't until I discovered Forex, I actually got back into single-player games. And I still find it a struggle to play single-player games because a lot of my online friends, they, uh, they still only play uh, multiplayer games, which I'm sure you've noticed the weird games I wouldn't normally play that I do <laughs> play sometimes. Yeah, actually, Drexy, that's an interesting point, though, uh, with what you sort of bring up there with the uh, with the difference with multiplayer. I think with the different types of multiplayer games, you mentioned sort of like first-person shooters and uh, and those sorts of games. I think that that's, uh, for me, that's where multiplayer really does shine. I, I much prefer to be playing a first-person shooter-style game, even though I'm terrible at it now, uh, than playing a, a multiplayer game of, of a strategy game, which just takes so, so long. So for me, it is. I, I do like multiplayer games, but I like very specific multiplayer games. Nothing at all to do with the sort of games that I tend to cover on my channel. Yeah, I mean, especially with like Eve Online, it's if you play try to play that game solo, it absolutely sucks. But it's the people, basically, the content creators in the game, the content in the game are the players and the uh, different factions within the game. And there's actually a book out. You can get it as an ebook called uh, History of Eve Online, I think, or something like that. And, and even if you've never played Eve Online, it's I think it's a really interesting read because just the crazy stuff people get up to to actually uh, get the upper hand. A lot, just basically, a lot of meta gaming goes on in in that game, which is pretty crazy. Actually, what would be interesting to know would be uh, what everyone has as their favourite multiplayer game. I reckon that would be really, really interesting, actually, to get that sort of perspective. I think the only one that I really play at the moment is Dominions. Uh, oh, and Shadow Empire as well. And <clears throat> I think 
Okay, so in the in the last podcast we did, Lucid was kind of talking about Dominion, saying that the game's so complicated, even years after release, the the multiplayer community still hasn't really figured out the meta for it. I think that's also very much what's going on with Shadow Empire, at least in my experience. I think the game's so new, and it's kind of complex that you know it's difficult really to figure out exactly how to play it in multiplayer. So that's been really interesting for me to try to explore. I'm I'm playing Dominions at the moment, and I, that's always great fun. We can talk about that, but yeah. So Shadow Empire, I guess, is a notable one for me that I'm actually playing in in uh, in multiplayer at the moment, and just sort of exploring to see if that's got the same kind of social complexity and social content that Drexy's kind of uh, Drexy and Lucid are talking with Dominions and Eve Online and that kind of thing. And I think it would be interesting to see if if Shadow Empire really does does kind of go down that route, or whether it is just going to boil down to you know kind of playing war in the East against an opponent, that kind of stuff. Um, a game I keep bringing up all the time is uh, Neptune's Pride, which you play through a web browser, really. It's a really simple game. There's like very basic research to it. And there's not like a whole bunch of different ship types or whatever. It's just you have your fleet and that's it. But what makes that game really interesting is the diplomacy and you have to use diplomacy to, or in order to win a game. You can't just because um, you do need to tech trade and stuff like that. To um, how long does it take to play, Drexy? I've never heard of that one. Is that a, a quick one? No, or a, it's a definitely long one? not a quick one. It's it's probably similar to Dominions, I would say. Oh, okay. Yeah, from my perspective, I I see. I don't like long multiplayer games. Uh, my favourite games are things like the Jackbox Party Pack and stuff like that. Oh, those are super fun. I'm just looking at some of them. Yeah, they're great. I, and for, for multiplayer, I just love them. You sort of sit down. Each game takes ten minutes. It's so much fun to play. And um, yeah, I just I just love those games as multiplayer. But I don't like strategy games as multiplayer games. So like you know with. Um, uh, we've been there talking about uh, you know Shadow Empire as a multiplayer game. I know that, like to talk to Tortuga Power myself, I played a multiplayer game of that when the game was still in beta, and it ended up being a real grind for both of us. And you know, we didn't really enjoy the multiplayer aspect. And um, yeah, it was sort of one of those things where it just every time I play a multiplayer game like that, I always think, ah, yeah, it's just the the length of time is just way, way, way too long. Whereas you've got these games that are built for multiplayer and, and like first person shooters as well. Like there's one that I've played recently um, called Clone Drone in the Danger in the Danger Zone. I don't know if you've heard of that game, but that's a, a really fun little fast game that could be played really, really nicely cooperatively. So um, yeah, there's just some. I don't know. This I, I, I like the short games. Um, well, just on uh, Neptune's Pride, it's actually quite a slow game, and because you can play it through a web browser, you can basically sort of just keep an eye on it while. You, quickly during your lunch break or even on your phone if you're traveling it's it doesn't actually take that much to play it's not like the meat well i shouldn't have maybe compared it to the means because you need a lot more thinking although you do get the same thing where you sort of wake up in the middle of the night and wonder if someone's attacking you or something like that but because the game's slow paced it's not turn based it's real time but the time is quite slow so say, for example, your fleet's moving from one star to another. That might take 12 hours, for example. So as a multiplayer game, it's kind of easy for people who don't have a lot of time on their hands because, you know, like I said, you can just quickly check in on your phone or something where you've got five minutes and then come back to it 12 hours later or whatever. 
Yeah, I think the the time aspect for Dominions is kind of interesting because on one hand, there's there's definitely it's a huge commitment. It's like ten to thirty minutes a day every day for a few months, and that's you know some people like flat out can't do that, and some people don't want to do that. Um, but and it, 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 and you get invested in it. Like that's kind of the other thing too is. It's a little bit, you know, like how people have uh, huge emotional reactions when they have like a permit, like an Iron Man character or something, suffer permadeath that they've been spending like a year building up. And, you you know, you see them like cry at their computer or something. Dominions is a little bit that way because you invest so much time in one game over the course of uh, a few turns. I mean, uh, you know, like 50 turns. So it's... Uh, it, you know, it's a major time investment, but it, there's a whole class of games that you make a major time investment, you know, for like 30 minutes a day for a long time, like World of Warcraft's like that. Um, and one way to think of it is it's just you're kind of, each turn is its own little mini game, and you have to play that mini game for like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes a day. Um, so I, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to sell people on that it's definitely way different than like a lighthearted fun 30 minute romp this is like every turn for me every turn is like a 30 minute puzzle and i have to figure out how to solve the puzzle as best i can that's kind of how i approach each turn and then if i'm doing really badly it usually makes me tilted and salty <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny because um just a, a a peek behind the curtains but at the moment both drexy and myself are in a, a game with lucid and we're playing on his server and just the other night, I think I, I realized I'd lost two hours and I was just talking I was just talking to the other players in the game doing some diplomacy because um, I'm, I'm stuck in the middle of the map, right? And if you're right in the middle of the map with loads and loads of neighbors, hold on, you hold are. On, hold on. I'm stuck between you and Lucid and you're both <laughs> massive. So I don't know what you're right about. I should be the one that's worried because well, you're both yeah. the two biggest empires, I believe. <laughs> I guess if people don't know, uh, like, uh, you know, if they're not, they're not familiar with the, uh, like the, the players that play Dominions, Lucid is right at the top of the tree. <laughs> yes. Very, very scary player to have against you. <laughs> yes. For the, but... for the YouTubers, maybe. But for the, we're, we're hosting a tournament and I, I got eliminated in the first round. So there's people who are a lot better than me. Uh, you're certainly one of the better, more prominent sort of players who kind of makes himself known online at least i think but yeah i mean but um yeah so i i actually lost just i lost two hours and i say lost but i was enjoying every minute i was really bringing out my machiavellian side because i was really I've, I've really gone into that game playing hard in diplomacy and really trying to kind of sort of play the puppet master a little bit and and you know and pull the strings of certain players around me in order to kind of get what i need and that just really does it for me i would just i find it really really exciting um, but I have to be a bit careful because I kind of get a bit carried away. Like one guy kind of messaged me and was like, hey, dude, can you like, can you not talk to me the way you're talking to me? Because I feel like you're not making it fun for me now because you're, you're treating me like you're subordinate. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I, was like, I don't know. I just play diplomacy hard, man. That's all it is. <laughs> I think that's with that coming up, is um, that is actually something that uh, I know that when we were playing or that big group of YouTubers that were sort of playing together, we actually had to have special rules for um for in character and uh, and out of character, you had to basically. It was advised 
amongst us because it was getting a bit salty at different times uh, between the different players to actually have like a communication that was in character and out of character uh, just so that we could actually try to maintain some degree of civility. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I mean, because like I didn't, I honestly didn't think I was being in any way what's, you know, any, any way rude or whatever. And because I was just like, hey, man, make yourself useful. Otherwise, I'm going to attack you. <laughs> Something like that. And he, but he really got quite, quite offended. And that's, you know, fair enough, man. Like everybody's different. Some, everybody's got a different idea of, of what's kind of fun in a game. And I, I, I'm just sort of used to, I guess I'm just used to sort of, I don't know, kind of, I, the first few Dominions games that I ever played, I had people talking to me all sorts, <laughs> like people outright threatening me, you know, and I just kind of, I was like, oh, it's a game, you know, I, I kind of, I can understand that you could, it's very, very easy to get kind of taken away with the emotions of a game and Lucid made it quite clear. He's like, you know, I get quite salty, you know, if, um, if I, if I'm not doing well at the game and it's true, you put so much emotional investment into, into what you're doing that I think that if you do start losing, it can become very you can get quite stressed out, you know, and quite and quite annoyed about it. So, I don't know. Just the last point, but I think for anybody who really wants to get over being annoyed at video games, I I, uh, I advise you play Blood Bowl for a bit because if you play Blood Bowl for a while and you can still get angry at video games after playing that, then I don't know. There's no helping you. <laughs> So the one thing that's interesting that struck me from what you said is you were talking about making threats. So like you were making threats, you've had threats made at you. And if you look at other strategy games, you know, you look at uh, Civilization, I think in Age of Wonders, you can also make threats, but, but maybe not. I can't remember all the diplomacy interfaces, but lots of these strategy games, they have some interface where you can choose to threaten another player. And a lot of times they'll do it where like, it makes the cost of going to war less after you threaten them. And it's almost like they're trying to introduce this mechanic so that the game acts more like real life. Cause we know that nations in real life threaten each other before they go to war. Like there's hostile things being said, but in real life that doesn't, I mean, in, in like Civ that wouldn't happen. Like why would you threaten somebody before you go to war? You, you wouldn't. So they have to put in a game mechanic to make you do it. But what's so interesting to me is that it occurs naturally in dominions and making threats is a huge part of diplomacy, right? Like I make threats all the time. I, I much prefer to be friendly with people, but man, if I'm in a war where I don't want to be in it and like, I'll make all sorts of threats. And once you make them, you have to follow through. So, or, or you know, your threats aren't credible. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm in one game right now where I'm in a 3v1 and it's extremely stressful for me. I like could barely sleep last night. I was so stressed out about it. It's like not good, the good kind of stress. But I'm just, I am livid with the players in it. Just livid. And like one guy, he's the same size I am, I am but he's convinced two other people to attack me with him. And I'm just doing my damnedest to just, there's no way I'm going to win the game. But I'm just trying to inflict as many casualties as I can as I slowly, slowly crumble. And I like, but a huge part of this is like making threats, like saying I'm going to kill all their stuff if they if they attack me, if they don't do something else. And then they're like, we're going to attack you anyway. And then you have to do it. So it's kind of this like very weird dynamic where you're threatening and you're, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, to me, it's exhilarating in good and bad ways. 
I think that that's true. Like it's it, like that's and Dominion's is fairly unique that way because it doesn't do it in game. And I think it's because it's the uh, most of the di- most of the diplomacy can be sort of done either through text in game or out of game through emails or whatever else, or whatever way you want to communicate. It reminds me very much of an old board game called Diplomacy. I don't know if you've played that one, but the the whole premise of that was to actually go and physically talk to the other players that you were playing against or with. Uh, to try to then sort of, again, cajole them or threaten them or do whatever you had to do to try to get them to help you. And Dominions is the only game I've played that actually gets close to that particular board game. Did you, Have you guys ever played uh, Diplomacy? No, I've heard of it, but never played it. Yeah, we were talking about this with Lucid on the last time we did a podcast, but Lucid's familiar with him. Um, I've never played it, but I know what it is. Yeah, they haven't been able to make a board, uh, sorry, a, c- a computer game that, that works uh, of diplomacy. It's like diplomacy as a computer game is just absolutely terrible. Like the, I think the last one was probably 10 or 15 years ago. But uh, Dominions is the only game that I've actually played where the diplomacy in the game feels like like the the diplomacy in the game diplomacy. So it's sort of, it, it does actually have a, an edge to it. Uh, and I think it is because it is just so um, open. Uh, whereas other games, like you know, Lucid was then talking about Age of Wonders and these other games, where really the diplomacy is handled in game and it's very limited because it is handled in game, and uh, that's why, for me, it doesn't really work that well. Whereas Dominions is probably the only game that I've played that where the diplomacy does keep you awake at night because you are actually dealing with real people and you are trying to elicit some sort of response from them, good or bad. <laughs> I think with um, Dominions as well because. I guess for people who don't know, most communities, they if you do in-game messages of diplomacy, you do it. People generally role-play. It's not a hard rule. And because you're role-playing, it, it's not as harsh as just being like a straight-up dick to someone, if you get what I mean. <laughs> you're yeah, not, totally. It's not like you yeah. are threatening someone. It's a character threatening another character. And I think that... That um, system that the community has come up with works really well. Some people can't um, don't see it that way, though, and I think that that's also funny with computer gaming is different cultures, I think, actually respond differently to, um, to that sort of uh, banter, uh, which I sort of also find a bit funny. It's, it's in, uh, funny in an interesting way. I think that, like... I mean, it's it's interesting the way that that works in Dominions. I think this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you guys about Dominions because I think it's a really interesting case of, um, I mean, it, the game is so different in single player as it is in multiplayer. And at the risk of repeating um, what we were talking about in a previous podcast, but I think this was something that Lucid said, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, Lucid, but you were saying something along the lines of games like Civilization, you know, more traditional strategy games or 4X games or whatever we're talking about, because they have different kind of victory conditions and different ways that you can go towards victory, it kind of eliminates the need for so much human interaction with the diplomacy. And um, the one of the in- unique things about Dominions is that there is you, there is only one person who can win. So you get this, that there's a tapering of opportunities at the, the closer towards the end of the game that you get, which dr- drives a sort of intensity into the diplomacy because you can only... You can only one person can win, so alliances are always temporary, and you never know when somebody's kind of going to backstab you, essentially. So, and I think that that game specifically encourages that kind of that kind of 
um, frantic intensity with regards to the way that you communicate with your other players, whereas that doesn't seem to happen, I don't think, in other multiplayer games. I must admit, I'm not familiar with this because I don't really play other 4X games multiplayer very often. So, um, I, But I don't know. I, perhaps one of you guys have got some thoughts on that. Well, going back to Neptune's Pride again, um, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure on your profile, it basically keeps the stats of... Uh, your positions, like, I don't know, you've won eight games and maybe came second in five or whatever. So what you find in that game is a lot of the times you can convince other players to help you attack and you guarantee them, like, second place, for example. And if you know you're not strong enough to beat either of the two big players who are about to go to war, then, yeah, generally a lot of people will just go along with that just to take that second place meaning they're weaker than the top two guys but they actually end up beating one of those top two guys and a lot of players are quite happy for that to happen yeah we actually made that a criteria in one of the tournaments like last year's tournament that we did for dominions to get to the final round we had two people coming from the the feeder rounds of the tournament and i mean every every single game we it had never been done before because dominions is always one person wins, but we were like, we kind of needed more people to come out of the feeder games to have a full final tournament. So we did it that way. And we didn't know it would happen. Every single game had a conspiracy between position one and position two to win. <laughs> like every single game had happened that way. Um, and I think it's interesting with that as well, like, because people will, some people will actually get to the point where they don't really care about their own empire, but then will decide to actually, uh, stab someone else as hard as they possibly can because they did something negative against them, which then helps the other player, which is quite interesting. Yeah, there's this idea. It's said in diplomacy. There's a saying that, this is the board game now, that the perfect game of diplomacy would never end because you would get to some system where it's like a three-state system. There's three states on the board. And anytime one state got too far ahead, the other two would knife them to keep them down. Um, in... Dominions, it doesn't often work that way because a lot of times, like you're saying, Daz, the, the, the motivation of all players isn't to win. Like at some point, people get put in a hopeless position and their motivation shifts from being able to win to just being able to survive, right? Or from being able to survive, yeah. sometimes it can shift to just being able to spite the player who made them lose. Which just seems to be the most often, <laughs> seems to be more often that than uh, survival. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. I think every game has, you know, we'll go through and have at least one or two players go into just trying to spite whoever killed them. Which, I mean, what else are you going to do? Because we are we don't want people to leave and go AI. It makes the game horrible. So they need to play to the end. And if they're going to play to the end, like, what do you do in the last part of time? I guess you try to you know hurt as much as possible the person who's attacking you. Yeah, yeah. And which is fun. It, it makes the game interesting because it sort of, it's, it gives you a, a human element that seems random. Uh, which is sort of funny. Like it's almost like a, a bad RNG role. <laughs> yeah, that's totally right. And how on earth would you ever get this kind of this kind of game this game mechanic into into a single player game? I mean, it's been really difficult to even get an AI to play a strategy game well. Anyway, uh, never mind to mimic or simulate any of the complexity that goes on in this kind of you know in this kind of. Uh, and this kind of game like this. So with Dominions, right, I wanted to talk about the single player just a little bit before we move on. And because 
one of the issues with the single player that Lucy's just said and um, we've alluded to is that because there's no diplomatic way of dealing with the AI, the game, uh, if you're playing against the AI, you really have to set it up so that it doesn't just dogpile you at some point. Because eventually, you're once you go to war with the AI, that is it. There's no peace. Uh, do you think that it would be possible to put a diplomatic system into Dominions? And do you think that pe- that might attract more people in the single, you know, to play it in single player? I don't, to be honest. I don't. I, th- I think it's the, the diplomacy in single player in Dominions is really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's really, really basic. Uh, it's non-existent, basically. I don't think it's possible, to be honest. I think that game's just better suited to um, playing the mobile player. And if you want to play a single-player game of it, play Co. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it could be done. I've written, like, forum posts on how it could be done. Um, but it would be inferior to the diplomacy you have in multiplayer. But I think it's the diplomacy in single player is so bad, like it's so horrifically bad that it it probably hurts new players who are trying to join the game and get into it. And a lot of people probably stop playing single player and never play multiplayer from it. I mean, I think at, at its simplest, you just need to be able to enter and leave the like enter and leave wars with the AIs and you should have to pay money or gems to get what you want. And you probably want to make it expensive. And if you're the bigger you are, the harder it is to buy what you want. So, because the AI is going to want to get you if you're running away with the game. So, I think if you put those simple mechanics in, it could sort of work. It wouldn't be anything like Dominions multiplayer, but I think it would be good enough that you, because single player Dominions, where you get in forever wars with all the AIs, is annoying. Yeah, I just think you might have to change the game too much for that to be uh, an option in that game to be honest and kind of on that point i, I did want to discuss um whether developers sh- should um make changes for multiplayer that affects single player and vice versa and you know is this a good idea or not to be honest yeah, look, I, I feel very, very strongly about this. So I've got very, very definite ideas that developers should not consider multiplayer if they're thinking about a single-player game. Um, there's so many games that have been compromised because they've tried to overbalance a game for multiplayer, which then just sucks all the heart out of the actual game. There's just so, so many um, where you end up with these really insipid games because of the uh, because of the balance and um I mean, there's so many different examples of that. But, and then when you get a game that is a single-player game but they haven't tried to make it multiplayer, that it's, like, it's just so unbalanced that it's, you just don't know what you're going to get when you start playing it. I love that sort of game. Like D- Distant Worlds for me is the absolute top of the tree in, t- in terms of a, a beautifully unbalanced game, depending on who you start with. And talking about diplomacy with that as well, like you know, when you're playing a single-player game with that, really depending on what faction you are, if you start, if you're a human or a humanoid type species, and you start right next to an insectoid, you know you're going to have an absolute nightmare of a time. But if you start next to another humanoid, you know that you're going to be working together and, and building up a, a cohesive empire. You just don't know what you're going to get every time you play it. And I love that aspect to it. Whereas um, other games tend to be really, really focused around trying to keep a, a multiplayer balance between the players, and it just becomes so, so bland for me. Any anyone else got any thoughts? Well, going back to when I used to play Quake, um, 
as the iterations of Quake went from Quake 1 to 2 to 3, they actually got rid of some of the really overpowered stuff. And in my, I know it's not a strategy game, but in my opinion, uh, doing that, it wasn't to make it better in a single player game. It was actually to make it easier on newer players. And I mean, that game died to death anyway. So <laughs> I don't see the point of actually <laughs> change it. They changed it, nerf stuff to attract people who are never going to stick to the game anyway. But um, yeah, I just think it's a terrible idea to nerf stuff just to make it more fun in multiplayer because in single player overpowered stuff could be really fun so, <laughs> so i really didn't, wouldn't want it changed it becomes the focus doesn't it of the game like when you actually do have uh, things that suddenly you've got something that you think is just wildly uh more powerful than what you you know than what you've been dealing with in the past and and you've then got a massive problem to solve and I, I just love that aspect of distant worlds anyway we voted Distant Worlds the best 4X game of all time. And I, so I'm completely with you on that one, Daz. Like, I think that that game, I think if they'd if they'd have tried to balance it for multiplayer in the same way that you get with something like Stellaris or Endless Space, I, th- I really think that that game wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. Um, Lucid, I understand that you've got a slightly different perspective on this whole topic. Yeah, I mean, I think at some level... Like, if we say, what is a game? You know, like, game theory. Like, I mean, at some point, a game is just a competition between different, like, agents, right? It's There's a set of constraints, there's a set of rules, and you're doing things to try to win. And all the different constraints and rules can force you into making some really weird or interesting or hard decisions. Um, and that can be really interesting, you know? Um, I think the thing is, like, for a game to be fun, um, especially like a 4X game where you're building up for a long period of time, you know, like, you know, even Age of Wonders or something, it's going to be like a four or five hour game, you know, like at least a two hour game probably. Um, You know, for it to all end in like one final fight where you haven't had any like drama before that fight, you know, it's like you have your main armies clash. And okay, we've been building up for like two hours. We have one fight and it's over. And like, that's not satisfying. Um, but but I think like when you look at a game, like you want, you, you basically, you want the game to be fun and you want all the things that you have to do to win that game, to satisfy all the constraints and the rules and stuff. Um, you want there to be like lots of drama and bounce back and forth before somebody can actually escape with a win. Like, I think that's what makes games a lot of fun. And when you look at MOBAs and stuff, that's how they're set up. And I think that's one of the reasons, in my opinion, MOBAs are really like fun games to watch and to play, is there's a huge amount of drama going back and forth before people can actually break free and win. Um, and that's because there's like these bumpers in the system that keep the game in this like fun back and forth period before somebody snowballs out of control. Because that's the other, like, looming in the background big thing in all strategy-type games is there's, they're very, there's always very strong snowball elements, you know? Like, every time you're playing a game, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to snowball in this way, I'm going to snowball in this way. And if you have something unbalanced in there and you just snowball completely out of control and it, you can do it, like, regularly, it's not very fun. So I think, like, a, if you have a fun game, like a fun game in multiplayer... 
it should also be like you're then also potentially going to have a fun game in single player when you can make the agents the ais play that game well so i don't know i, I talked for a long time it was probably a little confusing but well the thing is there's another um multiplayer mode we haven't really mentioned um which uh single player games can be fun in multiplayer without changing the balance and that's games you can actually uh co-op in so for example uh sins of the solar empire mm. and sword of the stars you can play in teams uh you can have disciple games in dominion i think i've never really bothered with those but um even stuff like Stellaris, I've played Stellaris with just one friend and sort of we've worked together against the AI and stuff like that. And of course, CK3 is really fun multiplayer. I would say it's more fun multiplayer than it is even single player because just so much hilarious stuff happens. And if you can share that with some, sorry, Crusader Kings 3. <laughs> yeah, like for example, I've brought it up before, but I was playing uh, Denmark and my friend was playing Sweden and Norway, I can't remember. And our families were basically interconnected and one member of his family died and suddenly I owned half of his land, which was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I think because I was sleeping with someone in his in his family, so <laughs> I seduced his wife or something <laughs> and his son was actually my son. That was it. You dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch that old Drexy, you know. He's a he's a sly one. <laughs> He'll talk his way into your missus's bed. Yeah, I think the co-op aspect is uh, is an interesting one. I, I actually I think I prefer that more than actually competitive multiplayer. I think with the competitive multiplayer, it's, they yeah for me it's a, the time factor just sort of kicks in a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do disagree with Lucid's aspect on on what makes a game fun. Like, I, I actually prefer if I start to snowball with a game, I want it over as fast as I possibly can get it over. I don't want some contrived mechanism coming back and then making it more difficult for me. I'd never play games where it says ramp up the difficulty as you get close to victory because um, once I start to win, I just want it over and or I just, I, I just stop playing. So basically you're talking about Stellaris. Uh, no, actually, most games. It's um, uh, I'm just trying to think of other games that do that. There's a fair few that actually do that. That do that. Oh, I, just, I, I, I don't play much of Stellaris, but does that have a, a mechanism where it just gets harder and harder the closer you get to victory? It's, it's just a slog. The end game is just such yeah, a slog. I hate that. I hate that in games. So just yeah. as soon as you start to get ahead, I want it over as fast as I possibly can get it over. Having said that, I did play a recently a, a um, on extreme level with uh, Shadow Empire, and it was uh, I did a live stream like it was three or four hours each day for three weeks before I actually finally beat it. And it was, that was fun. Like it was so hard, but it was, um, it, it wasn't, it, it got grindy to a degree, but nothing like some of these other games where it'll just start to ramp up. Um, but that was, that was a really, really difficult game. I only just finished it, I think three or four days ago. It was just like, but for three weeks solid, that's all I played on Twitch. Yeah. Shadow Empire can become an incredibly grindy game. Like I'm, I'm 43 episodes into one for Explorminator at the moment, and um, <clears throat> I probably spent about probably about four hours kind of just trying to get logistics working. <laughs> but I tried to make it. In, in, I was, you know, there was also wars going on at the same time. So I hope it's at least fun. But yeah, that's just a that's a, that's a little bit of an unusual case. Like I said at the start, I think that we, we're going to find out later down the line quite what you know what uh, quite how 
the meta of uh, Shadow Empire will go. And talking about that with you know in relation to multiplayer games, I just think that there's so much scope there for it. But it's it's the time commitment. It's an incredibly long game. Yeah. It's, it's probably longer than Dominions, I'd say. And it's you know it's longer than your average Dominions game. But that by four X games are long, right? And Shadow Empire is a long four X game. It's well. The trouble with that is when you've got a game that's a play by email game, and then you've got the actual number of turns. You look at Dominions. Dominions goes for about forty or fifty turns usually. Uh, Shadow Empire goes for maybe sort of like hundred and fifty. Like so, you've got three times the length of time where you're playing turn by turn. And so many games actually end up with massive turn counts that work well in single player and just as terrible in multiplayer. That's why I also don't think that. Like if those games were then trying to think, okay, well, how do we make it work for multiplayer? Then, okay, we have to somehow shorten it down so that it plays out in, say, 30 turns. So if you take a 150-turn game like Shadow Empire and try to make it squeeze into 30 turns, you're going to kill the game. Yeah, I think that's a risk. Um, I, I want to challenge you on something you said earlier, Daz. Um... Now, hang on, is this, is this in character oh, or out of character? Sorry. <laughs> I, I actually just like, lost my train of thought for a second. Um, so... I, th- what you're talking about earlier with Shadow Empires, where you had that really long campaign and it was still fun. It was against the hardest difficulty or, or something, and you streamed it every day for three weeks. Um, I, I would suggest, and you can disagree with me, that it was fun because you were in that challenge zone of drama where it, like, it wasn't completely certain you were going to win. There was really hard stuff that you had to deal with, and you kept have a, having to overcome challenges to make victory possible. I think the thing I agree with you on is what you were saying earlier, which is where like once you've snowballed out of control, you want the game to end immediately. You don't want to sit there and go through like dotting the I's and crossing the T's for like 30 more turns once it's pretty clear you're going to win. So I I actually, I think that is what I was saying. Like what I was saying is like that space in the game where there's drama and challenge is the fun part. And Yes, yeah. You know, like if you play, um, and I think the question is like, how do you keep a game in that fun spot? And you can design it into the AI, which I think you were saying you don't like, and I also don't like. Like where, okay, you're getting ahead, I'm going to make the AI harder now. Like that's not fun, because that's not really the game, that's just cheating, you know? But having game dynamics, and and like in Dominions, diplomacy is one of the major game dynamics to keep somebody from snowballing out of control. Having game dynamics, which keep things in the fun spot, I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I think as a single-player game, if you look at uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall, uh, the way that they actually handle their diplomacy as you start to get closer to winning, uh, the, the game will start to then, the other players will start to threaten you. And so then it becomes, it becomes pretty clear that they're all going to try to stop you. And I, I like that because they're not, it doesn't change the way, they're not, they're not suddenly more powerful. They suddenly don't get all these other bonuses. What they do decide to do is some may decide to join you, but most will decide to go against you. And I, I like that because you end up in a completely different phase of the game where you're trying to get the victory after you've actually been able to get to a point where it's interesting. I find actually Age of Wonders Planetfall, I think, is at the moment the best game going around. Like that's my number oh, one wow. game. Uh, I love the balance in it. I just love everything they've done with that game, uh, with a few minor exceptions. But the way that that one plays single player with diplomacy, I think, is brilliant as well. Like I think that's really shines in so many areas 
I mean, we haven't spoken much about Age of Wonders, but that's um, that for me works as a single-player game just exceptionally because of the uh, the way they've got all those mechanics sort of melding together. I think <clears throat> that's the thing with, um, well, strategy games and especially 4X games. Diplomacy's always been the weak spot for me, and this is where multiplayer shines. So, for example... Um, I used to play um, community games with uh, Sabouts. We used to play Solaris for maybe, he used to stream it for maybe for like three hours. And, you know, the, you know the game's not going to end. No one's going to win, but you're just having fun with each other. I think that's another aspect of um, multiplayer games, which I don't think single player games could ever do. Really. But why would you then, why wouldn't you just play something like Jack Jackbox Party Pack in that case? Because you're going to have more interaction, more fun. Like, would you, is there a difference there with, like, you know, because Stellaris, you, you're, like, if you're playing multiplayer, you're really just going through the motions if you're only going to be playing for a few hours, whereas um, with some games that are designed to play multiplayer where you can actually get them over and done with in 10 minutes, like like Drawful, for example, is one that's a really good fun game to play with, um, with a group of people. Yeah, but with, uh, like, say, for example, Stellaris, you're still going to be having fun backstabbing people and, oh, and making you. little deals with people on the side to kill someone else off, which you don't get in Jackbox. Jackbox is yeah, yeah. it's fun, but it's uh, different. It's more like a family board game, really. It is, very much so, yeah. yeah. So this is more of a, you're doing the war aspect, but of course you don't really want to play, have like the top player who's, killed everyone off you're just gonna have a laugh with your mates really yeah um, <clears throat> and maybe that's something you need in multiplayer games rather than something like dominions or something like that where you or shadow empires where you're sort of playing to win it sounds like you're more the person who would rather play a game where you can have a laugh with your mates absolutely it yeah. is yeah. possible with like games like stellaris and all, all the paradox games are actually are quite good because Apart from Stellaris, it, it's not always about painting the whole map with your colour. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's You're right. I think I do prefer cooperative games rather than competitive games when it's multiplayer. Um, I mean, you can still be co uh, competitive, but just more on a having a laugh level, really. Like, we mm. don't play teams in Stellaris when we play with, like, eight people or whatever. But it's just the laugh that, you know... Oh, I knew you. I knew it was going to be you that was coming for me and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> or you held the grudge from a previous game. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben mentioned Blood Bowl too. That that would be a fun game to play because it's over and done with pretty quickly, and uh, that's a really, really a competitive game. Like to actually play Blood Bowl. Oh, I was just going to ask you which one you were talking about. Sorry, Daz. Yeah, Blood Bowl's um, Blood Bowl's a great. It's. It, I think if Daz thinks that. Age of Wonders Planetfall is one of the best game or the best game around at the moment. I think for a direct one-on-one -on -one player game, you know, like two a two-player game basically, I think Blood Bowl's the best. I think it's better than even chess. And I just think that there are many reasons for this, but it's one of the only games that I've ever played which handles random rolling and just, you know, instead of like making excuses for it, just goes balls deep into random into RNG and, you know, really teaches you that you have to learn to stack the odds in your favor and yet it's still always entertaining and it's one of those games where you know you can you can have a team running for 
you know, a whole two or three seasons and you might get some very beloved players only for one of them just to fall over just before he's about to get a touchdown and die. You know, like literally just fall, <laughs> like like you roll a one when you're trying to sprint and you'll roll over and you'll break his neck and die. Like to the point where... Let's not rage quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people rage quit and you just got to get used to it. But the the way to deal with that is just to, it's just to see it as is just hilarious. Like I started naming all my star players Sean Bean because I just knew that they would die every single time. And, you know, so like, but, but, yeah, I, I, that's why I always say to people, if you if you start bitching about luck to me in a game, I'm just going to go and force you to play Blood Bowl for a bit because then you'll get used to understanding that, you know, you, you've got to learn to deal with, with RNG in some way. But um, well, Blood Bowl 3 is on the way too. Like, I, I don't know when that's due to release, but uh, I did see that that one's actually getting close now to release. So yeah. uh, that's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not, the thing I'm not excited about with that is, having to purchase all the teams again because I, I i was oh, yeah. i was there when blood bowl 2 was released and having you know had blood bowl chaos edition the original and then having to wait what was it like four years for cyanide to get all the teams so you know like all the fame all like things like the underworld team and you know all those sort of more weird interesting ones they took bloody ages to bring out so it's like are they going to do that again like ah, oh, i don't know but yeah I, I am looking forward to blood bowl but sorry lucid go ahead man i, I think there is something where like you can't make your game be everything. And so like one of the things Daz said really resonated with me, which is like if they tried to make Shadow Empires and make it like a fun sit down, do it with your mates and like an hour or two game, like they would kill the game. And I think that's completely true. Like you can, like each game has Absolutely. to be its own game. And I think what's important is that the game it is is fun, uh, which I mean, it's it's kind of obvious, but like you have to, I, you know, we were talking about this prior to the to actually starting up, you know, but like developers need to play their own game and the game they make should be fun. <laughs> um, mm, but, yeah. you know, if you make a multiplayer game and it's not fun, you know, like maybe it's not fun because one of the other things Daz was saying earlier was you've stripped all of the like interesting, crazy mechanics out of it in your quest for balance, you know? So I think that's another like thing is... Like I think there's several questions that all game developers have to answer for their game. You know, like what are going to be the bumpers that keep the game in the fun, challenging zone for a long time? And the better those bumpers are, the cooler stuff you can have in there. Like if you don't have any bumpers, if you have like any snowball mechanic that's allowed, you can just like completely run away with the game. But if you have pretty good bumpers, then you can start having really crazy stuff in the game. And yeah, there's sort of a way to deal with it. You know, like you can have the really cool guns because there's a way to deal with the cool guns because there's some other mechanic that controls for that. Well, Dominions does that too, doesn't it, Lucid? I mean, that's that does have like escalation across the across the scope of the game um, that really does take it into wildly unusual. Yeah, areas. yeah. Dominions is not a balanced game in, in no way, shape, or form. I mean, it is. I mean, there's there's balance to it in that like you can sign up with any nation and you have a shot at winning. But the nations, like, it is not anywhere like a StarCraft balance where the nations are equal. Like, that is not Dominions. And it's not fair. You put up some crazy global no, and everybody's completely screwed now. You know, like... Yeah, and it also even this, the uh, the starting, uh, like, pretender that you have, like, like, really shapes the direction that you then play. And that can be... You can sort of think that someone's going to play a certain way and then all of a sudden they're playing a completely different set of scales, you know, which I think is, um, that for me makes Dominions really, really interesting. 
Well, I think the uh, the complexity of Dominions is such that it allows for you to to kind of come back and chal- uh, make a sort of reasonable challenge to someone if they do surprise you. You know, it's there's not that many games that can do that. So other games mm. do. It's really hard to make a game that is balanced, right, and also surprising. So those two those two game design paradigms are all are already at some kind of you know loggerheads like for example we brought up the idea sorry we brought up the example of distant world universe and that game also isn't balanced it's but it works right and you can have a start in distant world universe where you might start in a corner of the galaxy where you've got literally no caslon fuel and what are you going to do there right you can still win there's there are way there are ways of kind of getting what you want through trade or through you know getting pirates to help you this kind of yeah. stuff but it drastically changes the game depending on you know, on the on the starting conditions that you have, and there are mechanics, you know, in order to get around that. But balance games, they they're kind of geared not they're geared away from that kind of game style. So, I think one of the ways in which single player versus multiplayer game design really comes to the fore when it comes to the way that people perceive how they affect one another is, it's often when games that have previously been unbalanced suddenly become balanced, or when games okay i'll give you an example right so so we all know how bad dawn of war 3 was i don't know if you guys ever played that but that was a game only once <laughs> just once well I, I i bought it and i refunded it it was so bad and that was clearly made to be some kind of esports game and it totally wasn't what i wanted i liked dawn of war 1 i really loved that game and i liked dawn of war 2 i didn't play it as much but it was also a good game right but dawn of war 3 it was clear that they'd kind of they tried to make the game so balanced for multiplayer that they destroyed any fun that you could possibly have with it in single player. And I don't think the community even took to it in multiplayer either. So there's, I think that's often where this this topic kind of comes up. Like I kind of got to the point where I really hate the word balance when we're talking about strategy games now, because I don't really play enough multiplayer games for it really to be a, you know, to be a problem for me. And I don't, I just don't like balance in single player. Games. I don't think balance makes good single player games. I think if you're, no, I agree with you. I, th- I think that it's the imbalances in these games and the games, the game's ability to deal with imbalance that actually makes the fun in in single player games. So multiplayer design with single player design can often clash in a real bad way there. Yeah, and that's the thing with single player games. Well, from my perspective, is um, if everything's balanced, it ends up being dull. And okay, you might be able to beat the game easy or whatever, but. There's just some overpowered or crazy things that happens within a game that it almost becomes like a, you know, you talk about it with your mates and you always remember that crazy thing that happened in that game. And if the game's overbalanced, that sort of uh, experience you sort of miss out on, really. And on the other point is, yeah, there was a point where a lot of developers tried to shoehorn games to be in an eSport when they are not an eSport and you, sh- if you're going to make an eSport, you're going to start for, from the beginning of this game's going to be an eSport rather than, oh, everyone likes my single player game. Let's sort of shoehorn it into an eSport, which just never works really. Yeah. Although e-sports it's funny because it's happened naturally. Almost. Some of the, uh, f- some of the first person shooter games have actually gone backwards like you look at call of duty like it used to be a fantastic esports game like uh, i used to be part of a league that used to play it and it was so much fun like it was my favorite game there for years 
and uh, that was just incredible. But then they started to nerf it, and I don't know why they did, but it became less and less fun to play as an esports game. And um, I think that's where that's where you do have to really think about whether your game is going to be primarily single player or, or multiplayer. And uh, because you really you can have both, but I don't think it often works well having both. I, I want to maybe challenge that again too, though. But uh, but again, by sort of agreeing with you, you know, if one of the things I think you said, Ben, that I, I liked was the each game needs a way to deal with imbalance. Like the goal should not be balanced because if you make things balanced, it's going to be a bland game. And and the other, you said something else too, which was interesting, which was. Like people like the surprise. That's what we tell stories about. It's the fun part of the game. And it's the imbalance parts that give you the surprise. You know, it's when you have the nuke that drops and nobody was expecting yeah. it and it blows up this huge amount of stuff. And that's like the moment, you know, or something else. Um, so I, I think these things actually combine in a pretty interesting way where to have like a fun game, you need to have things that give you surprises. You need overpowered things. And you also need mechanisms in your game to deal with those. And if you don't have those, then it's probably not going to be that fun. But if you, I think if you take your multiplayer game and you take it in a direction and you chase balance, like if that's your goal is chasing balance, I think you have a crappy game. And I think you have to look at balance. Like you can't not look at it at all. But if you chase it, you're going to take your game in a bad way. And an interesting example of this is Dota. And if you look at how Dota has changed over the years... Um, it's become, they haven't been nerfing it over the years to make it more balanced. They've been adding crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier mechanics, and there's been huge power creep in the game. And it's like usually very cool power creep, and your hero will get some new kind of thing that you didn't know, and then it's like way fun to play them again. Um, and the esports for that's been going excellent. You know, people love that. So... And it's very competitive. So they have a system where they're worried about competition and balance, but they don't chase balance. They do cool stuff, and then they have systems in the game to deal with the imbalance. Right, and this is why Dota is actually more fun to watch than uh, League of Legends, because League of Legends strives for balance because they have a lot of casual, lot more casual players playing the game. And it, when it comes to the pro level, it actually makes it less fun to watch, in my opinion. So... Yeah, it's, it is a fine balance, really. Um, you know, if I don't think over when you make something overpowered, it also has to be hard to achieve. Um, I'll give an example. I'll go back to Quake. In the Quake Two, you had the BFG, which um, was a very slow-moving ball and used a lot of ammo. But in Quake Three's BFG, it was a really fast-moving projectile and was hard to dodge, and it was just a lot worse. It it was overpowered, yes, but it was so overpowered and so easy to use that on the esports level, it was never actually in any of the maps. Yeah, I remember that. It was like not that I I just just play that one single player, but that was always the goal, wasn't it? Really, just to 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 get that, and then you won. <laughs> yeah. Was in Quake 2, yes, the BFG was overpowered, but it was really difficult to actually hit with it. And it wasn't actually used that much because of that. I think in games design, it must be difficult for developers to be able to first kind of figure out what it is that players are doing with their game to have fun, right? Because 
one of the the sort of criticisms I've I've sometimes had when I've been talking about games, like on our Discord forum or on, on the podcast, is that not everybody plays these games for the same reasons. And um, we, you guys were touching mm. on this when uh, when Daz and um, Drexy were talking about, you know, oh, why don't you play Jackbox or something? It's like everybody plays these games for a different reason, I think. And not everybody wants to be... Not everybody's like this kind of super grognard who wants to be challenged and, you know, to experience all these really complex strategic situations. There's a load of guys on our Discord who are quite, who openly admit to being quite quite happy to playing 4X games on the easiest mode just so they can roll over the map. And that's perfectly fine, right? We're not here to tell people... Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, we're not here to tell people how they should enjoy games. Because I'm in endless battle mode. I, I sometimes... I find that I don't always get that much satisfaction out of a game unless it's really challenging me. But the thing is, and this is something we've discussed before, but if you chase that feeling, if you chase that kind of challenge, you're always going to push yourself towards the most complex stuff and eventually either burn out or you're just going to master everything, right? So like I, I started playing like War in the East because it was the, I think it was the game that I finally came, I, bu- I butted heads against, which I was like, I think this is too complex, <laughs> even for me. I just can't, I can't get my bloody head around it. And it's too big. It is. And I mean, we were talking about multiplayer games that would take a long time. Jesus. I mean, Shadow Empire takes a long time, but imagine playing a whole Barbarossa campaign through with War, War in the East. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> or War in the Pacific or one of those crazy games. But, uh, yeah. But the, the, so yeah. the point I'm trying to make, I think, is that everybody plays these games for, for a different reason. And when we're talking, when we're discussing kind of multiplayer versus single player, I think it's, it's important to, I think Drexy said this as well. I think, it's important for developers to really know where they're going, you know, kind of early on because you can get all sorts of fun out of a game in a way that it wasn't intended. If you want to play Stellaris and just play for three hours and, you know, see what you can do with multiplayer, that's fine. Most people are probably not going to be playing it like that. And it's difficult to anticipate for that kind of ad hoc fun that you have with a game. So I don't know. I just think that Here's, right, okay, here's an example of a 4X game um, that I think really did well. And it certainly seems like they've been trying to balance it for multiplayer. And this is Warhammer 40k Gladius. That game's really good. It's definitely one of my favorite games, without a doubt. It's super competitive. Yeah, yeah. It's also, I don't know, I've not played it that much actually recently, so I can't really speak authoritatively on it because I, I can't. But that seemed very much to me like they were very, they were trying to balance it for for multiplayer and yet i've never ever played it and felt that it felt bland or boring because it's you know because it does have that balance in there i don't know if you guys played that are you you in you know what do you think about that yeah i play it all the time it's one of my favorite games uh the ai in that does play like a human uh and that's by design they've actually they study the way different people play it and then they actually change the uh change the ai to respond like a human would and it really does. I, I don't think I've played another game that actually plays as much like a human as Gladius. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I don't even know if it's got a multiplayer aspect to it. I think it's only single player anyway. But it's, it? um, oh, I, I, might, yeah, I must be just, wrong. It's then. just phenomenal. Sorry, Daz. I, I must. I'm, that just shows you how long ago it is since I played. I, I could have sworn that was a multiplayer game as well, but maybe, maybe I'm not. It feels like a multiplayer game because because it actually because the AI plays just so damn well and. Um, like if you if you stumble into that game, it's it's very unforgiving. And as I say, like the, you know, if, if if the AI feels threatened, it draws all of its forces back to protect itself. It um it pulses with its attacks. It it doesn't just uh, sort of drip feed them through. It actually it's the AI in that game is exceptional. Is the is the 
it's the only game I know uh, where they do that. What you just said: uh, if you attack something and damage it, it will retreat, and then it will it will it will probe your defenses as well. And this mm. is something that I there's a there's a, a there's an AI modder, a famous kind of sort of semi famous AI modder called Isle. Um, there's a German guy, I think, and he was he did the he did a mod for Pandora, which was the game that the guys. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and he made a really really good mod for it. He's actually working on a mod for Remnants of the Precursors right now, which I'm dead excited about because. Um, oh really? He, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's been he's been uh, t- kind of testing that out, and Ray Fowler's been kind of chatting to him about it. But actually, the the base AI in Remnants of the Precursors is getting a lot better. But I'm in uh, I'm interested to see how what he does with that. But I'm getting a bit sidetracked. But so basically, I think that they took some of the some of Isle's ideas and he worked a little while for a little while on Gladius but uh, he told me that they'd actually not included everything that he that he'd recommended for Gladius they actually stripped some stuff out cuz i think it was too hard um cuz Pandora yeah, he made it too hard <laughs> it was he played just too too well people thought that it was cheating yeah but it wasn't it was just which, that he coded it so brilliantly that, that he did the mod for Pandora this is uh, Pandora he actually, um, when they released the DLC, they included his AI code from his mod. Uh, by the way, Gladius is multiplayer. Apparently, oh, it is, yeah, is it? Yeah, I thought it was because yeah, you oh, can okay. even play split-screen PvP. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. But yeah, that's uh, that. So, I mean, that was a game where they they clearly, it's clear that they've tried to. Okay, so I I did uh, we we reviewed that game for Explorminate years ago um, when it first came out, and it was Nate um, who he was kind of i took over from him on the podcast because he had to step back and i when i actually did a re-examination um about two years later or it might have been a year something like this and i one of the things that i noted about gladius that had changed was that they were they'd done something like in the in the space of i think it was in the space of about 18 months they'd done something like 16 balance changing packs patches so they would desperately trying to balance this game in order to make it you know because it to respond to players saying this is you know this is overpowered this sucks this bit isn't so good that kind of stuff so you know i mean yeah gladius is great I've, by the way anyone who's not played that go and play that game it is really good that's how to mm. play for, that's how to Absolutely. make a forex game <laughs> and and you know diplomacy always sucks in forex games drexy said this before and it's true diplomacy Dominions is probably a better game for not including it in single player. Now I think about it, because you can always cheese it, right? You can you can always cheese the AI in 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 um in in diplomacy and multiplayer games, but Gladius it just strips it away completely. So yeah, it, and it's a better oh, game for there it. Is none. Yeah, I think with that game because it's so focused on war rather than uh, your typical forex or strategy game that. Yeah, I could see how that could work a lot better in multiplayer and the balance, because the uh, factions are so different, you could still have some sort of balance between it and still be fun in single player, especially with that AI. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're like right. It's like a multiplayer it's... AI. <laughs> it's like I'm playing against yeah. a person. So, <laughs> yeah, it's know. brutally hard. <laughs> if you balance it for multiplayer, you're, it sort of still works, if you get what I mean. Well, y'all have done what it sounds like is a ringing endorsement for Gladius. I, I've played it before, and I remember the AI being challenging, but I'm going to have to go back and play it again. Did um, I know there's difficulty settings. Do the difficulty settings affect the intelligence of the AI, or does it actually start cheating at a point? Do you know? 
No, what it, what it affects is the the only cheat it has is there's a mechanic called loyalty, and uh, all that the all it does is it gives it higher loyalty, and uh, loyalty ends up being like a bit of a multiplier for your resources, and so they end up getting more resources essentially. But the um, the way the AI plays. It, I don't think it nerfs it if it's on a, on an easier difficulty, but um, it's a game I can't play that on the highest difficulty. It's just way too hard. But it does get advantages with some resources if you play it above a certain level. But um, like even playing it, like if, if someone gets that game, um, it's a bit like Shadow Empire, you know, play it on the easiest difficulty when you first get it because uh, you will be smacked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I second that. It's one of those games where I'll play... When I come back to it, because I've not played it for a few months, I'll have to set it back down to normal and play for a bit. But when I've got used to it, I play it on hard or probably very hard, and it will still beat me sometimes, you know, because especially if I'm not familiar with so familiar with the faction I'm playing, because it's it is challenging and it, mm. it it does some surprising stuff as well. It's it's a really cool game, man. You, you should definitely try that out, Lucid. It's it's uh, it's yeah. definitely one of the it's better brilliant. games that Slytherin ever released. I think that would be in my top five games of all time. You know, like when I think about the the, the games that I, that I absolutely love, like Age of Wonders, uh, Distant Worlds, Gladius is right up there. Okay, since we're talking about it, I have to ask. There's always one thing that bugged me in it, and you can. T- I've got you on the phone, Des, so I'm going to ask you. Some units have like multiple attacks, <laughs> but it looks like it's not different than like a single attack where it's just stronger. I, I remember playing Necrons or something, and I don't know. And like one of the the, the the pyramid had like it shot in all directions, but it really only shot one. I don't know. There were just some things that seemed janky. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it, that that yeah, the graphics of that, uh, as you say, there's one of these arcs that actually shoots from both sides of the arc, and it's only shooting one side though. So, it's, it, but it looks like it's shooting both sides. And, and it has I like a special attack, but funny. they might as well have just combined it into one attack. Or no? It, okay. Yeah. It's, it, it won't even work on both sides. You've got to still right. pick which side you're going to be firing at. It doesn't do a, it doesn't do like a an area of effect attack around it. it actually, is only shooting one side, even though the uh, the fire is coming out from both sides of the actual actual device. So I'm not sure why they did that. Actually, it's a good point. I never really really thought about That's it. It's an artifact but, um, of the uh, of the tabletop game. So in the tabletop, the, ne- oh, the yeah. Necron pyramid, it fires. It, it, I think it has like a. Uh, an attack that goes all around it. So I think that's what it is. Well, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you. Actually, that you know what we were talking about that game being balanced, but I, I'm pretty sure some of the factions are pretty, are pretty overpowered. Like the the Imperial Guard or whatever they call them now, the Astra Militarum. I'm pretty sure that faction is like way too good once you learn how to use them. Only late game. Um, you've got to get all your all your vehicles in. They're really easy to beat early game. But um, yeah, each faction is again. It's got a, a bit of an unbalance about it that makes it interesting. Like. Um, you know, Necrons are an easy one to play as a new player. Uh, orcs are really easy to play as a new player. Um, so there is that sort of that bit of an unbalance about the way it does play. But again, it makes it really, really interesting. What about Age of Wonders? Um, I'm interested to know, like, what what are your thoughts with regards to? Because I know that's a multiplayer game as well, and I've never tried it multiplayer actually. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever tried it multiplayer. What do you think about it? Well, I play that a lot at single player. I've played it. I've played Age of Wonders three once uh, multiplayer, and I, I didn't like it again because it just took way, way too long. It was. Um, I played it basically on a LAN uh, with my nephew, and uh, we were playing it, and it was fun to play. But it was it was all day long. 
and it was that's just too long for a game for me. Uh, so it was still fun to play. He actually he actually thrashed me, but it was <laughs> it was. Uh, Is that too long for the guy who just spent like three weeks playing four hours of Shadow Empire a day? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know the multiplayer games. I just I like them short. I just um, I, I don't like the long ones. But the single player, I don't mind how long they go. It's um, I don't know what that is actually. That's an interesting point. I think maybe Drexy was onto that as well. You know, with the with the way that people sort of approach these sort of games. You know, like with the uh, with the, you know where Drexy was sort of saying about those twelve hour turns where you can sort of just pick it up whenever you feel like. And I think the single player games are a bit like that as well. I only play single player games when I feel like it. Um, which is usually all the time, but <laughs> but it's sort of one of those things where <laughs> multiplayer games you have to be on at that point. It's uh, it's like streaming as well. I don't, I don't know if, if you guys I can't stream to a schedule because um, I wake up at you know but like within about a two or three hour period, and so I don't like actually saying I'm definitely going to be streaming at a certain time if I'm wanting to try to then sort of sleep through a bit, or conversely, sort of starting two hours later than when I'm waking up. So yeah, it's it's uh, for me. It's sort of one of those things where, um, you know, playing those sort of games. I, I don't mind p- putting the, two, the three or four hours in every day because I'm enjoying it. But if it was part of something where I had to do it to a schedule, I wouldn't like to do it. Uh, I, th- I think Age of Wonders has some like serious fundamental problems for multiplayer. Like the fun part of the game is the tactical combat, but if you play multiplayer, you're supposed to not do tactical combat because while you're doing tactical combat, the other person's sitting there like picking their nose. And, you know, at worst, sometimes I can actually see your battle so they know, like, yeah. what you're bringing and all of this, too. I think you're 100% on that. I, th- I think it's, that's, that's exactly right. It's, um, it, I mean, I don't think it was designed for multiplayer. I think multiplayer was like a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I think like to it. do it, like, in strategy games to do multiplayer, you basically have to have simultaneous turns. Like, if you don't have a good solution for simultaneous mm. turns for multiplayer in a turn-based game, like you're gone, you're done. Like if people can't be doing something until they're done with their turn, forget about it. Yeah, I guess that's why the real-time games sort of work as well as the play-by-email games. But you, like turn-based games do tend to be actually. I think that's the that's what the problem is with um, playing turn-based games as multiplayer games, particularly if you are playing it like LAN, where you aren't waiting for the other person like with an email. Like you you tend to be sitting there, and one of you will be sitting there for what seems to be a, a really long time, even if it's only two or three minutes, it's still a long time to be just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the the best the best multiplayer games that I, you know, the turn-based games that I play, I think something like Field of Glory. So I, I play Field of Glory 2 with a friend of mine, with an Aussie mate of mine. Um, we've, we've been playing that quite a lot. And that we're both content if nobody takes a turn for a couple of days, you know, nobody, there's no complaining. Yeah. Sometimes we forget and I'll be like, oh, you've forgotten about the game. So I think that they can work. It just depends on who you're playing with. But I absolutely agree that if you're, if you're sat on a LAN or something, or, you know, you're sat playing on the, on Discord with somebody playing a multi, uh, a turn-based game. I mean, Age of Wonders is the worst one for that. And I, I like the game. I don't share the same enthusiasm that Daz does for it. And the reason my, my gripe about Age of Wonders and this comes from Age of Wonders 3 and Planetfall, is that I find the tactical combat is so good and so engaging, but it's so energy draining and kind of like it's tense, right? That after I've done about three or four of them, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I'm, I can't be bothered to play the strategic side of it. <laughs> and it's a real shame because Planetfall <laughs> particularly is a superb game. It's, it's, it's a step up from Age of Wonders 3, I think. And not everyone agrees, but I think it's a step yeah. up. But I just think that the... Ta- 
the tactical combat is just it it I have the same problem with Warhammer Total War as well, and I'm I'm the same with that. Like, I feel compelled to play every damn battle in it because the the auto resolve will usually do something dumb, and yet the the battles are so kind of exciting and adrenaline soaked, and you know, kind of the I find that I don't really have much time or energy for this for the strategic side afterwards, <laughs> and I'm sure that'll be the same in the multiplayer as well. Yeah, that's always been the main thing with the Age of Wonder games for me. Whilst the uh, tactical combat is really good, it just, for me, it takes too long sometimes. Well, and it's it's a mix because some of the tactical combat is good and some of it is trivial, you know? But still takes some time. But you don't want to let, you don't want to auto-calc it because if you auto-calc it, you might lose an important unit. But you actually can uh, do that now in the game. There's, uh, they've got, uh, which I really, really like, is what they're doing is um, as soon as you play a battle, if you don't like the result, you can replay yeah, it. Yeah, right. And, I wish uh, they did that in Warhammer. Because yeah. you know, Sorry, in Total War. If they, if they had that in Warhammer Total yeah. War, I swear to God, I'd play that game twice as much as I do. Because I'm not that great at the tactical combat in that. And it's one of those games that you can destroy your campaign. If you lose a critical battle in that, you, you know, that's it. It can be game over. So... And sometimes you're not aware that it's a critical battle either, right? So you might auto-resolve something. And what, like Total War as well, it's another game where you can make a sort of miss, you can misplace an army and then get ambushed out of nowhere. And that's it, it's game over. Whereas, you know, and if you if you auto-resolve stuff, sometimes you just want to have that chance to be able to play it yourself. I thought that was a great addition to Planetfall, by the way, when they added that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think it's critical because it's one of those games like it's funny because like when you compare Age of Wonders to Dominions, Dominions purposely made it so that you couldn't have a, a save game to re-go back and replay your turn, even in single player. So it sort of forced you along, which I always thought was a bit of a funny way of doing things because I, I like to learn playing games by replaying the same battle a few times. And, and Age of Wonders, because if you move one unit, one hex in the wrong spot, you can lose the whole battle. Or if you kept it back a spot, you can actually win the whole battle without losing anything. So, I think that having the, the being able to save scum uh, in um, in Age of Wonders for me is just a a great mechanic to actually to encourage it. Um, and it's the one game I think like you guys have sort of hit on it. Like the each tactical battle is so in depth and so complex. You know, like uh, with each actual one, it does take a lot of time to play. That's why you can do an auto battle. And if you lose one or two units that you really don't want to be losing, then you just go and play the multi, the manual battle and then sort of play it all out. So you can certainly sort of move through it fairly fast once you sort of get going. But it's um, but when you do have a big battle, and to be honest, I love the bat- the big battles. They're, not, they're, they're smaller than the battles that were done in Age of Wonders 3. Like they were just complex. So I find that um, even a big game, a big tactical battle will take about half an hour in Age of Wonders Planet 4, whereas in Age of Wonders 3, you can be playing well over an hour like when you're trying to capture one of the towns, um, you know, it's like just in the tactical battle. So for me, having that safe scum ability is is really, really key. I think this discussion really has just proven to me that you either make your Forex game or strategy game balanced around multiplayer or you balance it around single player and yeah, you can add multiplayer, but it's something there just a bit for a bit of fun if it's a mostly single-player game. And, yeah, you, I don't think it would ever be possible, really, to have a awesome multiplayer game that's also an awesome single-player game. Well, I agree 100%. We've, we've yeah. got a big one coming up, and when we spoke to Eric Rutins about Distant Worlds 2, he was hinting that 
there is the possibility of adding multiplayer to it um, in the future. Now, oh, I hope not. <laughs> I just, I, I, and we, and I think he he is fully aware of the challenges that you know decision brings. And you know what? From, from the one thing that I got from that conversation is how invested um, Eric is in his project in the in the project you know that he's come up with so he's not going to let that be a bad game that's the vibe that i got from him anyway you know and talking to yeah. him after the podcast because he spoke to us for quite a long time afterwards a very nice he was a very nice person he stuck around for ages and the vibe that i got was you know that he's not going to let that be a bad game and but yeah it no. did ring some alarm bells actually when he was saying yeah we want to make it multiplayer i hope that the multiplayer community community can accept yeah that distant worlds is beautiful because it is unbalanced and big and unwieldy and that you know i'm sorry it's it's like it's like shadow empire you're never going to get that game balanced people are already already petitioning vic mm. to change shadow empire to make it more balanced you know for the like equidistant um multiplayer starting positions and stuff and it's like i think it should have that to be honest that i think that's important um because that's not just a like where Shadow Empire is unbalanced is actually in the um, is in the in the planetary setup. Uh, I think that the mages should still be you should have should still have the option to push the mages away from each I, other I, because it does. I agree, and you you are right with that. Um, I, I think um, like a friend of mine, he's been playing a lot of Shadow Empire multiplayer, and he was like, uh, for a long time, he was saying, I don't know, I don't think it's actually a good multiplayer game because the because the way that it the way the starting positions works kind of it makes the game too dependent upon the rng of like the planet generation and the reason why it sets everybody so close by the way is, is because vic made it so that the game simulates how colonists would choose their own location depending on the best resources so it's actually part you know it's part of the beauty of the game in a sense that it, it does it like that but i think you're right it does need it it needs the option if it's going to be a viable multiplayer game, I think, to be able to kind of pick. I'd like to be able to, to pick, to see the starting locations and be able to pick one. I think that would be a better option, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. That way you can, like, the only, like, with that extreme game, um, the only way I could win that one was by making sure, I mean, I started a couple of times. As soon as, if I had a, a, another major next to me, I would start again. I had to wait, wait until I got to a position where there was no major players next to me because I knew I wouldn't be able to win if that was the case. Have you checked out Shadow Empire yet, Lucid? I'm interested to know your You know, I've been asked that not just by you guys, but probably by like six other people in the past like three weeks. It's kind of weird. Um, I haven't. I haven't. I've watched Daz play it some, and I just haven't gotten sucked in. I just, I've watched a couple. I think, did Wade Star play it too? Yes. Yeah, he, he played in the early days. I, I've really tried because normally I like all the games you guys like. So I, I watched, I just couldn't get sucked into it. We've even got Rob into it now. Um, Rob from Explominate, like he, <laughs> he wasn't really like he. I think he immediately could see the appeal of it, but he just said he couldn't get into it. And you know, because Rob cares more about nice presentation than I do, so I'll I'll happily play something that just looks like absolute, you know, something from 1988. I don't care. The only the only games that I really struggle to play is anything before about 1982. Like I'll play pretty much anything other than that. <laughs> I, I tried to play Ultima One recently, and oh, that's that's hard. <laughs> but actually, I, I I saw that the Master of Magic for Windows is coming out soon, or Caster of Magic for Windows yes. is coming out soon. I mean, it's a bit off off beam there, but that's um that's a game that looks old but plays incredibly well. I can't wait. That's only that's only weeks away. Isn't I, it? I've asked you about this before, Daz, and you said you'd not really got into Master of Magic, but I know Lucid plays, and I really like my I. 
I'm playing Caster of Magic right now, and Caster of Magic's significantly different from the original because it's a little bit more it's a little bit more competitive and slightly less sandboxy, and I think that makes it a better game. But so basically, the story with that is Cerevi, the guy who modded um, Master of Magic, he he was originally making what he called Caster of Magic Two, and the fact that Slytherin are calling it Caster of Magic for Windows to me is a, a real warning sign that they are actually making a Master of Magic Two now. They're the, I, I mean, and they've been hinting at it for a while because they bought this, they bought the franchise name, but I'm pretty sure that it's, yeah, they got the franchise. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think I think at some point we're going to see a Master of Magic Two, but Caster of Magic for Windows is yeah. dead exciting, and I'm I'm quite looking forward to that. I think it'll be cool. I am too, actually. That's one of my most ex- anticipated games. Um, really, really looking forward to that. So I think it's literally weeks away. I think. Yes, you're right. It is. <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, I've I've actually got to hurry up and finish my current Caster of Magic series because Shadow Empire uh, has completely stopped me from playing that. And I've got people saying, "Are you gonna? Are you forgotten about that series, Ben?" And I'm like, "No, no, uh, I'll do an episode tomorrow, promise." And then Shadow <laughs> Empire. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I get like that. I um, yeah, I, I often abandon games sort of uh, after I'm a bit, bit of the way through. I try to actually record the whole series now because um, I know it does annoy people when you sort of get like you know about twelve or thirteen episodes in, and then suddenly you're onto something different. It, actually, this is a bit off topic, and I apologise in advance. But I was talking to uh, when we were talking to Lucid, me and Drexy, uh, we were talking about Eador, right? And I I was trying to come up with the anecdote that you came. Up, I'm sure that you was it Eador. Genesis that you no Eador uh, Imperiums that you were playing Daz and you kind of got to the end of it and then you you got completely fed up with it. I'm sure that there was something like that happened in one of your Eador games where you, some bug happened or something. Yeah, I got sick of it. Yeah, it was just for me. It's that was a thing where the um, where the game itself was interesting, but you didn't move around enough on the map. Like you just were stuck in these in these provinces for the whole game, and it was. Uh, I found it really boring, to be honest. Like in terms of that aspect, the actual rest of it, I thought was was really quite nice. Like the uh, the tactical battles, everything else was good, but just the fact that you were, had to stay so long exploring just one province, um, yeah, for me, it just it just felt really s- s- sort of slow. Yeah, right. So it's kind of I think we we came to the conclusion that the the, the player versus environment part of it's actually quite good fun. The uh, the 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 combat against the AI isn't quite so good, but I mean, I haven't really played a whole mo- a lot to be honest. But I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I, I I was trying to say to Lucy, I, I think it was Daz Tactic who played that and then kind of got half halfway through or towards the end, and then something happened and he, and he kind of dropped it because it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. It's a, I wouldn't say it's a bad game. It's just that it's it's a game that I don't know. It just it was just the pace of the um, of the strategy map was uh was way way too slow uh like you look again at other games like um age of wonders again i always look at age of wonders and just think that the balance of of moving around on the strategy map and then playing the tactical battles for me is just it's, it's just artwork the way that, that sort of works but um but at Eador, i just found the strategy the strategy map component was just way 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 too slow i mean dominions has got a good balance with that as well like it's got a good um you know the moving around of the strategy map actually is very very interesting where you've got to, got to scramble to sort of take those ori- original um, locations to sort of get your resources set up. And um, it be- it makes the start in- exciting. It makes the middle exciting to where you end up and so on and so forth. You know, it sort of it has a big escalation, whereas Eador, it just wasn't that important, Not nowhere near as important as um, these other games. I mean, you can also expand really badly, like certain players. <laughs> and- <laughs> Who is that? 
and be surrounded by two guys who expanded really well. Uh, yeah. Don't tell him that. He doesn't know that. He thinks I'm small. Shush. <laughs> I'm sure he's got plenty of spies in your capital. <laughs> oh, wait, thinking. Wait, so a Gar. Wait, Drexy, you are a Gartha, right? Oh, wait. Oh, wait, you're Roos. You're Roos. No. Okay, and you expanded well, and a Gartha is the one yeah. that didn't. Okay. <laughs> Scribbling down right, notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that's kind of interesting in Dominions, I can't remember if we talked about it last time, but is you have simultaneous turns where the, the movement happens like at the same time you and the enemy and you don't get to react at all. Like a lot of games when they have simultaneous turns, it's there's like almost a real-time strategy aspect to the first part of a turn, like a turn will roll and people will click to see who gets to go first. Um, but like Dominions, it's truly simultaneous. And so you have to actually predict where your opponent's going to go. Um, Eodor kind of has a, I think is sort of like that, but you can't really tell because it's opaque with the AI. Do y'all know of any other games that have taken, because um, it's an interesting solution to the problem of how do you have simultaneous turns? Like, how do you have a fast paced thing um, where you're not going, you know, one person at a time in a turn-based game? Do you mean, so are we talking about the WeGo system? Where you, you know, where turns are resolved, where both people make their yeah. turns at the same that's, time. That's and that, same I didn't time. know that was the name for it. We go, yeah. So everybody does their we turns go, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, there's. So I go, I go, you go, or we go. <laughs> and yeah, so there's a lot of games that are we go, um, and Dominions is a good one. And, and actually, the old board game Diplomacy was a we go game as well. Like you know, even though it was a board game. You actually had to give you orders and then everyone sort of uh, saw what the orders actually were to see what the results were yeah i mean there, there are there are games that are using that system there's um i'm trying to think about i know sli- there's a lot of slithering and matrix games like war games that use that kind of system um i can't think of any off the top of my head funnily enough but it, it's kind of interesting because on one hand it's more frustrating but on the other hand it's sort of like real life because like in real life you're making moves without full visibility of what your enemy's doing. You know, you have to like guess what they're going to do. Yeah, right. That's one of the things about Dominions because there's there's multiple there's a, there's a quite a complex turn sequence, and you know you can make moves before. For example, you have got that like the magic phase attacks and that kind of thing. Uh, is that yeah, right? That's uh, absolutely is, is that right. what it's called? The magic phase attack where you can. Yeah, right. So you know you can kind of like teleport in and initiate a battle um, before anybody gets to move, which is. If you don't know about that in the game, you're at a significant disadvantage. So I think that these there, there are ways of doing the we go thing and being able to and sort of being able to not predict, but like that's what's great about Dominions, right? Because there is the possibility in that game, if there wasn't that ability, you could literally just have people moving from province to province and missing one yeah. another. And you know, that would be extremely frustrating. And I know it still kind of happens, and it's part of the strategy of the game to try and guess where people are going to go. But at least it has a mechanic in there to allow you to, you know, to 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 get around yeah. that, so to speak. Yeah, just to get in there first. Yeah, funnily enough, um, I actually had to look that up today with the uh, Dominions because um I'm about to uh attack a fort and I, and the enemy has uh, an army one hex way, so I wasn't sure whether I'll uh, go into the fort first and then his um, army will come in. But actually, 
I'm going to have to fight him first before I fight the people in the fort, basically. <laughs> I couldn't remember the order of which it <laughs> happened. So Dominions does have some order to what happens in the game. Doesn't it also have some order where it actually is from the bottom of the map, like bottom left corner of the map, and then sort of goes across the bottom and then goes in lines as well? Like uh, There's some sort of weird order there as just with the way that it does it. It's not, not completely random with something. I forget what that actually is, but I knew, know that that was something that was um, that was sort of done that you had to sort of be a bit of aware of. It, it may process the, the turns that way on the back end, but in terms of like being a player playing the game, um, if you move to a province, you're going to go to that province. Um, and it basically it moves all the pieces at once, and then if there's two pieces of opposing sides on the same province, then they have a fight. The only time that doesn't work is if two armies move directly into each other, and then there's a dice roll basically of who goes into who. Isn't there also the map move um, amounts that dictate something as well? Like, um, uh, because also where you're going to fight, like if you have two two um, armies in two separate provinces next to each other and they both go to, to go to each other's province, the fight ends up on one of the other provinces, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that exception, right? So with, normally you just go wherever, but if you have two armies moving directly into each other, then you have like a, there's a dice roll that basically says who's going to move into who. And like you were saying, the army with the faster map move will often move first. So, yeah. And, and also the size of the army. So that way you can't have like a scout or something moving into a big army and keep locking it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. I didn't know it was called WeGo. That, so there's a whole, I can now Google that and find all the games probably that have a WeGo movement system. <laughs> yeah, so... So you've got you go, yeah. I go, and then there's we go, and there's probably other types as well. But um, I guess I only know the two. Yeah. So you go, <laughs> I go is just like chess, you know, one person and then the and then the other. But the we go is, I think it's becoming more of a thing um, in, you know, in strategy gaming. There's a oh, what's that game that my mate Miyabi really likes? Is it Last Regiment? Do you know Do you know this game? Um, that's got a we go system. Let me think if is that what the game's actually called? I think it's called Last Regiment. It's basically a yeah. I've got it on my computer here. Do you know the one does? Mm. Yes, and that's uh, is that a that's one where you've you set your forces up. It's a really cool little game, isn't it? Because the tactical battles are, are quite small. You've only got like four or five units, and uh, it, I'm pretty sure you're right. I think it is a WeGo system yeah. where it plays out, but they play out through that. Each one of them has got their own um, initiative, and uh, so that so. I think that's how yes. that works. I can't remember exactly how that one does. So, um, yeah, mm. there's a there's a Japanese guy who's got his own community that's kind of like sort of same sort of size as Explominate, I think, and he and he sort of hangs around in the same sort of, you know, kind of crews that we do, and he's really into the same games. And he he's been saying to me, "You've got why aren't why are you guys not playing Last Regiment?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know. I've got loads of games, and you know, it, it looks all right, but it's not really my sort of thing." And he was like, "No, you, you don't understand. <laughs> You've got to play this game, right? Because this is the the best multiplayer forex game around at the moment or best multiplayer sort of tactics game and the reason being is because it's we go so he said you can play a game right through in the space of an hour and you can wow. have like you can have like 12 players or i want to check it out now. and he and he's like yeah that, that that is significant and i you know it wasn't until he pointed that out that i know i really sat and thought about that he goes me and my friend i, I can't remember how many players you can have. i think you can have like eight players all for you and the game's a little bit like um let me think about you know, Battle for Wesnoth. It, mm. it reminds me of Wesnoth. Yeah. So, 
Actually, I'm getting confused with Fort Triumph. Sorry. Oh, right. No, Last one. Regiment is it's like it's kind of like a, a Wesnoth-style hex-based tactics game. You know, like one of these sort of turn-based RTS. You know, it's like an RTS where you have a you capture city, cities and then you pump out units. That's the one, uh, Last Regiment. It's got loads and loads of different, um, like, different characters. It's got tons of different units. It's actually really, really good. It's, like, really well-developed. But yeah, the the the, the main yeah. selling point is that you can one, sit yeah. and play an eight-player multiplayer game, and you can finish it in an hour and a half, and that's a big selling point for I think for some people. Yeah, yep. No, it's um, yeah. Actually, I do remember this one. It's a good game. I've just I've just opened it up. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played this one for so long. Yeah, it's it's not been like I gather that it's not really had. I don't think it did as well as the the developers were hoping, and it's a shame because it's a, it is a really really high quality game. Um. The, what, mm. the only thing that, I tell you what it is, if you want to annoy me when I'm reviewing a game, make it so that you have to complete a, uh, a tutorial campaign oh, in order no. to be able to play the base game. That's going to piss me off, right? Because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Daz will be the same as this. Because I, I don't like playing campaigns in strategy games, even if they're really, yeah, I, I don't still, can't be bothered with them. Um, but in La- to Last Regiment's credit, it only makes you play two missions and then it lets you, it opens up the rest of the game. So it's it's quite short and you can do it in a you can probably do it in about half an hour so it's not too painful there are other games where they i've i've you know i've had them to review for explorinate and in order to play the like the sandbox part of the game or you know the, you know skirmish or whatever you call it they've made me play a bloody you know tutorial campaign and i've just i just turn them off halfway through <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, you know, I, I was thinking another game that does it is uh, it just occurred to me is Endless Legend for the combat, and that actually is a place where the WeGo part doesn't work very well because you end up giving these really opaque orders to your units in tactical combat, and it ends up being really yeah, confusing yeah. And, and not good. It is clunky. That was one of the main thing. That's one of the main criticisms we get about. Uh, I've heard about um, the Endless games. Uh, I, I didn't. That's. I think that's probably why I didn't play endless legend very much either i i didn't really like the tactical combat i just yeah. thought it was a bit slow and a bit weird so is that is that one also designed for multiplayer because it feels yeah i like think it is. that's i mean that's why you do the we go you do the we go so that you can have a faster multiplayer game hmm. and i think when you do it well like dominions if yeah. you think about it, like what if dominions you had to like in a multiplayer game you had to like sit around and do things at the same time or something when you were doing a battle it would be yeah. It would be a horror. You couldn't like multiplayer wouldn't so, even exist. Yeah. Nobody would do it. Yeah, right. It'd be boring. It's funny because it's one of the it's one of the initial things that people complain about Dominions is the fact that you've got no control over the actual tactical battles. But at the end of the day, it's what makes the game just so engaging. You have to actually have it all thought through yeah. before you actually go into the battle. It's it's a it's a it's an aspect I think that becomes a feature. But when you first start playing Dominions, right. it, it's actually a negative. Oh, I love I love that straight away. I, I immediately saw how it's like. I've just sent these guys off and they've just died. I'm like, <laughs> what the bloody hell is going on here? Like, okay, I'll try again. And then, uh, you know, and then you, you sort of iterate on the process, don't you, of, of just moving your men a little bit, especially at the start when you're expanding and you've just got like really crap quality troops. And that's that's also why Dominions is so exciting because as you start, you know, as you start playing through, you start understanding a little bit of the meta of how to play, you know, your faction. And then, you know, so you're starting out with these really crappy expanders and you're really struggling to even defeat the basic indie provinces and then you're sort of like you know 30 40 turns down the line you're just bringing meteorites down out of the sky and you know you've got these like foul vapors going off and all the crazy spells you know like that's just so satisfying (laughs) 
But then, but then you run into run into Lucid's bless um, uh, <laughs> strategy. <laughs> yeah, he's got this ridiculous one at the moment. He's he's got like chill aura and heat aura on his on his Abyssian burning ones. So like, I I actually had a scout in one of his provinces, and he he was attacking Turnanog. And uh, there was these like create these ridiculous self destructing like burning ones that you had. You left out the, you, the best part: this, the, the death explosion. This PD... Yeah, exactly right. So you had this this PD uh, troop, and he, he he got frozen, and then he got set on fire and died. I was just like, yeah, that's that's lucid, just being just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, who does that, man? Weird and wonderful. Yeah, here's the sequence. First, they've got fate weaving, which means anybody that attacks them gets a malice where any damage they take is increased. Then, if they manage to kill him, then he blows up with a huge explosion upon death, which is something you have to take in, like, the the, the design, the pretender design screen. So it's something you have to, like, pick for your nation, right? Um, And they take... And, and I also have the larger bless. And the bigger they are, the harder they blow up. So they blow up really big <laughs> but these are like really expensive units you don't ever want to die so it's a stupid strategy but it's hilarious it's only it's only you and yeah. sacrone that would know that one <laughs> yeah i think sacrone is also in this game and he's and he's he's doing some weird bless as well with like reanimate or something and, and he's also doing really well so you know it kind of just shows you how strong these players are they, they can just come with some really unintuitive bizarre bless with you know not the best not the best nations necessarily because like Sack's playing like Oceana, and they're not they're not known to be the strongest. Faction, no, they're bad. I don't think, and and yet he's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, um, we're gonna have to wrap up, I think, because uh, yeah, we, we it's kind of it's getting a bit long in the tooth. Thank you so much for joining us, and I, I think people will find this one interesting because I think the the multiplayer versus single player thing comes up a lot in discussions, at least at, at least in the Explorate community, and I'm sure you know, in your own communities as well. It's probably, you know, people will people will always be talking about, oh, this game's great, but it's kind of overbalanced or, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. None of us are gay. I, I don't think any of us are games designers here necessarily. But uh, I think that sometimes having a bit of a powwow about these things can, can kind of like bring forward, you know, bring these issues forward so we can sort of see them a little bit more closely. I think we, we are in a bit of a unique position because we actually are so connected to the gaming community but also connected to the developers. And so we're in a bit of a middle-of-the-road position where we sort of get a, a bit of an insight as to uh, as to what the developers are thinking and wanting to do, but we also then have a bit more, I guess, empathy for what the actual players are wanting as well. So it's sort of uh, I, I, I love being in that, like in that sort of like that fly-on-the-wall position between the two groups and it's sort of um it is interesting when you sort of see developers standing really really firmly on the single player versus multiplayer aspect and um and you just sort of know that it's just not going to be what the uh what the community wants you know but but again you know you can't sort of push push things too much of course but it's 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 funny sort of being in this middle of the road like being a content creator it sort of does give you a fairly unique um insight i guess into um into the, the two different camps yeah there's been a couple um over the past year or two a couple uh attempts at a forex mmo and i just knew from the start they're gonna fail because generally the communities are more focused on single player games than multiplayer games but yeah i don't especially uh mmo where you're it's not something you just decide to play for a little bit. It's something you just got to have a constant. Uh, we didn't really discuss MMOs, but yeah, it's 
something you're going to have to have a constant uh, attention to for basically how long you play the game. And there's no getting out of playing multiplayer. You can't just, oh, I'm going to try something out in single player. It's just, that's it. It's a multiplayer only Yeah, game. one thing I'll just say, um, as it seems I lost the debate. And I mean, it wasn't really a debate, but it seems everybody's kind of landing on the side that, you know, some games like single and multiplayer don't mix. Is that kind of the the vibe I'm getting? Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree, but I I think that no I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I don't really I got to be honest. I don't know enough about game design to really to be able to make a call on that. I just know what I like, um, and I think that Dominion's is an interesting, weird case because it's it's very different in multiplayer as it is in single player and i just thought that would be an interesting sort of way to bring this kind of conversation yeah. together but i just speaking personally i don't i don't i don't i've not made up my mind okay. on it really i just know so what we've I got like. one guy on the fence um <laughs> one thing i was going to say is i think in terms of like understanding like exploring the meta for a game you're never going to really explore the meta for a game in single player, the same way you would in multiplayer, like players fighting against players are going to really, you're going to really come to understand the game. And there's often going to be way more complex and interesting interactions. Um, that being said, so that, that was kind of what I was saying earlier is like to really, and then if you can understand that, then maybe you can design an AI to play like a player and then you get an interesting game. And that maybe is like Gladius, if Gladius has a really good AI. Um, but that being said, the structure of some games do not sit for multiplayer. You know, like Age of Wonders, you can't have it. Like, the, the, it just structurally eliminates it. But in terms of understanding the meta for Age of Wonders, if people had infinite patience, you would probably understand, like, a pretty interesting game. Or you may, you know, it may be a fun, interesting game if people had infinite patience to sit around and play it for, you know, 20 hours and wait for other people to do their turn. But... um. Anyway, so I guess I, I see the point that uh, on at a structural level, some games that you know you do have to pick between single player and multiplayer. But at like a at a game design level, I think there's always an interesting thing that player on player stuff will. There's an interesting light that player on player stuff will shine on games that you probably won't ever get unless you have that. I think that's the difference between the uh, the actual the way that people play the games, though. And I think for me, I've, when you've been sort of talking about the way that what you look for in a game, it's not what I look for in a game. I look for narrative and story. Um, whereas, I, you know, and I, it's I think you're looking for something a bit different. And and I think Rexy sort of mentioned that earlier as well, like that people have got different focuses on what they're actually looking for out of a game when they do play a game. And uh, for me, it is the story. And I like games that actually present an a weird story that I wasn't expecting, which is why I like Distant Worlds and also Shadow Empire so much. But um, so I think it's a difference in actually the way that people actually approach their games. And I think that that's probably really the crux as to, as to like you're looking for more, I think I'm putting words in your mouth here, but I'm, I think that you're looking for more purity in the gameplay aspects than what I'm looking for yeah, uh, as an example. Well, for me, I mean, I think it comes down to when I was younger, I was very competitive. So any multiplayer games I played were purely, uh, yes, there was a social element to it. And there's guys I play games with every day that I've played with for 20 years now. But the older I've got, the more it's become more towards a social type of multiplayer game I go for now, rather than a full out competitive game. And yeah, I mean, it's just. I would hate to develop a game, a multiplayer game, to be honest. It must be a nightmare, you know, yeah, <laughs> trying to find that target so. audience. And 
Well, they're, they're a vocal minority too. I yeah, think, you from have what that I as well. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, no, that's not just you think that is the case. It's uh, like we did a we did a, a poll at Explominate, and we had about three thousand people. Was it? I think no. I'm sorry. I might be. I might be. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many we had. It's either six hundred. It was three thousand. I can't remember which. So Rob will be able to correct me on this when he <laughs> listens to it back. But we had a, we had a fair sample size, and it worked out that about ninety percent of people didn't play multiplayer at all. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and that, that, you find that pretty commonly across um, across uh, research. I think is that the multiplayer actual numbers who play multiplayer are quite small. But when you go into forums, the actual the comments are nearly 50-50 when you look at things. It's funny because Dominions is not, again, an odd case there because, you know, I mean, the, I think Lucid was saying that he, he's, he estimates that the Dominions community has probably got about a 1,000 people who play regular multiplayer, and that's massive. I mean, I can't imagine that Age of Wonders has got anywhere near that many people playing multiplayer. Oh, no, no, they wouldn't. It would drive people nuts, I think. But there are people who play it. But there are yeah. people who enjoy it. Funny enough, I think Civ actually has quite a large... Uh, yeah, it has. It's it's huge. Community. But that Civ's just and huge in general. We don't play it. <laughs> we don't really play it. The newer Civs, at least. But I think there are a lot of people who play that multiplayer. I'd like. I'd like to try yeah. it actually. Um, I've always wanted to try playing. I I used to play Civ multiplayer Civ Four with my housemate when I was a when we were students. Um, or when he was a student and I was pretending to be a student. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we used to play Civ 4 <laughs> together on on, a, on our LAN, and that was really good fun. And I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to try and get back into that, but I think it might end up being disappointing now, especially now that after what Lucid was saying about the he, he uh, sorry Lucid again, I'm putting words into your mouth, but I'm just trying to I'm remembering that you were saying something like you think because the multiple victory conditions and the way that the game sort of plays out probably reduces the the uh, the scope of the diplomatic kind of interactions that you can have with people it, it was something yeah like that, i think right? like you know if there's a game developer listening i think if you want to have really really cool diplomacy i think you need a few things one is you need you don't want to have people in their own swim lanes you want to mostly force them into conflict it doesn't have to be immediate conflict they get to choose when and how that conflict happens but there can only be one and you don't want to have it where they can all have separate victory conditions where they don't need to interact like they need to interact if you want to have really cool diplomacy and the other thing is that people have to have time to have diplomatic, like diplomatic communication. So you have to facilitate like that being kind of easy or them having time to do it. So like in blitzes and dominions, the diplomacy actually usually it's, you know, more interesting than any other strategy game probably, but it sucks compared to like long form diplomacy in like a long game where, you know, you'll spend hours talking to people, which, you know, you can't have that in like most multiplayer strategy games. But having a way where you can, you know, communicate easily, quickly with players when it's important, I think, you know, that that's the only other ingredient you need. If it's a free for all, has to be a free for all too. And I think that that's a really important point to take this away to take away from this. Actually, I think, you know, if anybody's like, say, if there's any developers listening, because I mean, okay, so Explominator mostly focus on forex, but we we look at all sorts of strategy games. But forex particularly has a real problem with diplom- with diplomacy, and um, you know, mostly in the AI side of the game and Things are things are getting better, but you know. Okay, guys, I'm gonna let's wrap up. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Uh, Daz, Lucid, and Drexy co-host. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun, and I hope I hope that somebody gets something useful from this. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs>
Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us on. Actually, it was, it's always I always really enjoy these discussions. Um, you know, it's uh, they've been it's fun being part of your podcast. Actually, <laughs> so it's uh, it's always good fun. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again. I reckon another topic, maybe in a couple months. Yeah, great talking with you guys. Thanks for inviting me.